Hello, it's Mike McDivitt, interim pastor of the New Hope Baptist Church here on September the 17th. And today we're going to start, if you would, in Isaiah chapter 14. And uh, I had started this already. And all at once, the uh, program went wacky and kicked me off. And I think it's because of the subject we're going to talk about. But before we get into that, I just want to say happy birthday to my grandson, William McCullough. Happy birthday, buddy. He's 12 years old today. So, Isaiah chapter 14, in verse 9 through 15, we're going to read. In fact, we're going to read, um, let's, start, let's start here with verse 12 through 15. Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through 15. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground and didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said unto thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. To the sides of the pit. Let's pray. Dear Father, I just thank you for this day you've given us, Lord. And I pray, dear Father, that you just will um, show us what you would have for us in your word today, Lord. Thank you for all that you've given us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So you've probably guessed our subject today. That's a Satan. Satan. Like I said, I was start. I already had been partway through this message and the program kicked me off. Well, you can expect that. When uh, you're, you're talking about Satan, the the, the biggest um, thing that Satan has done is to make people believe that he is not real. That's true. Even people that believe in God in these churches that they'll say there's no Satan, right? Or these other uh, clubs or whatever you want to call them will say, oh, that Lucifer's not Satan. Yeah, they get into Luciferianism and somehow. Say that's not Satan. Same person. Right here it says, doesn't it? It calls him, verse 12, O Lucifer, son of the morning. He was a top angel. He he um, was one of the one of the uh, ones in charge under God, of course, you know what I mean? But as, as far as angels go, just like Michael, the archangel. But Lucifer wanted worshipped. He thought he was going to be like God. Going to exalt his throne above the most high. But the one thing I want us to understand here is that uh, he's already defeated. And it says that here, doesn't it? We get into verse 15. Thou shalt be brought, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. He's already defeated. We're still in skirmishes. We're still in battles. But we have to know our enemy. You have to know your enemy. And so I believe that sometimes we need to speak about this situation so we understand who he is and what we need to do and although we need to understand his his, his um, he's very intelligent he knows that bible better than you and me but you don't need to be afraid of him because god's in you but at the same time don't be foolish to think like some of these preachers that just order think you're going to order satan around no no with god's um, blessing and god's help we defeat satan not in and of ourselves. Not at all. But we need to know our enemy. I think it was Patton that said, you know, that he when he defeated, I believe it was Rommel in Africa, 
correct there. I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I'm wrong about that, but I think it was Rommel. He knew who his enemy was. He read his book. He read his book, and he knew his strategies, and he knew the man to an extent. And in doing so, he defeated him. So in knowing our enemy here, in our spiritual battles, and don't kid yourself, in this life, this is a spiritual battle. We need to know our enemy. We really do. And his name is Satan. His name is Lucifer. And here he is presented in Isaiah. And the one thing that I think that we don't think about is sometimes us Christians serve him. You don't think so? Well, let's see. Let's look in 1 John. Let's look in 1 John in chapter 3 in verse 8. 1 John 3, 8. And it says, He that committeth sin is what? Of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For his purpose, the Son of God has manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. He that committeth sin is of the devil. When you commit sin, you're actually serving Satan. You know? You know, when you say, I, uh, you know, talking about the kingdom of God. I live in a kingdom of God. What's that mean? You know, and you think that's just heaven. Well, a kingdom is where God, is where, rather, a king rules. When you're in the kingdom and the king's ruling there, you are under his authority. When you're saved, of course, you belong to the Lord. You're under his authority. But he gives you the ability, he gives you the freedom to step outside of his authority and commit sin. When you do that, you have literally stepped out. Now, I'm not saying you lose your salvation. I don't believe in loss of salvation. Once saved, always saved. We're not going to be talking about that today, but that is a true statement. It's biblical. So I'm not talking about that. But when you step outside of God's kingdom and sin, you're stepping into the kingdom of Satan, where Satan rules. And so here in verse 8, when it says, He that committeth sin is of the devil, you've stepped into his kingdom. And at that moment in time anyway, he ruled your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're in the New Testament anyway, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And let me see here. Verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14. And no marvel, and no marvel for this, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore is no great thing if his minister is also transformed as a minister of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Transformeth themselves, what that means. What that means. Have a pitchfork and a pointed tail. He is an angel of light. He is transformed, rather, into an angel of light. And his ministers, ministers of supposed righteousness, they can make it look really good. Satan's the good pretender. 
We won't get into all that, but even in Revelation, he mimics God and the Trinity in certain ways. and He does that today. There'll be a church that that uh, seems to teach and preach the Bible, but if you dig into what they believe, it's heresy. We have to be very careful, my friends. They have everything but the real gospel. You can get your salvation by many ways, your works or so baptism or you name it. All these things will get you saved. No, no, the grace and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone will save your soul. When you ask him in your heart as your Lord and Savior and believe that he is God, forgive him of your sins and ask him into your heart and life. He will come in and he will be your God and he will transform you into his child. He will adopt you. That's the biggest miracle in the Bible. But many teach differently. And that, my friend, is not a minister of light or righteousness. It's a minister of Satan. It's exactly who it is. Satan is a great pretender. The biggest miracle he ever did, and this I wouldn't say miracle, but biggest deception he's ever done, is to convince people he's not real. If you don't know your enemy's real or you're just pretending he's not there, guess what's going to happen to you? He's going to defeat you. You know, if, uh, <coughs> excuse me, if God forbid an enemy came to our shores in America or wherever you live at, many nations listening, and a foreign country came to your borders and you pretended they weren't there, they came in with their tanks and their their planes and their uh, artillery and their manpower, and you still pretended they weren't there, what is going to happen to you? You're going to be defeated. And just because you want to pretend Satan is not there, <laughs> that's a big mistake, my friend. He's real. He hates you. And he is looking to defeat you. If he can't stop you from getting saved, he'll stop you from being used. And he will attack you. And he knows where you're vulnerable. An enemy knows his enemy. Or rather, you, you should know your enemy. And he knows you. You're his enemy. He knows where to attack you. Doesn't he? Of course he does. So we need to learn about him ourselves. He is not uh, a good angelic presence. Like some, it's a terrible to say, but there are people actually teaching that today. Horrible, horrible. He is real, my friend. He is real. Let's look in John chapter 8. The Gospel of John chapter 8. Let me get it here. The Gospel of John chapter 8 and verse 44. Ye of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. Who is he really? It says he was a murderer. He was a liar. He was, he, and he talks about those who follow him as that is their father. So we need to be very careful. And understand who he really is. He is real, first of all. He is an enemy of God, therefore an enemy of you. 
and he is looking to destroy you. That's who Satan is. That's who he is. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians. Get it here. Chapter 11. In verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 3, But I fear, lest by any means as a serpent beguileth Eve through his subtility, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Satan is looking to trip you up, my friend. When he tripped up Eve... He did it, how? He questioned God. Did God really say? Isn't that what he did? Sure he did. And tripped Adam up through Eve. How does he trip you up? One of the reasons is to the simplicity of Christ, simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of salvation. And he will trip you up. If you don't know your enemy. If you don't know your enemy. And what he is about. How does he attack you? Ephesians chapter 6. Galatians, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. This is a real battle, my friend. This isn't some hyperbole. This isn't some moral lesson. This isn't something that's just made up in the Bible and isn't real. We are teaching too much that the stories in the Bible are stories and not real. The uh, personalities in the Bible are not real. That's blasphemy. And when God said there's Satan, there certainly is. This is a real battle. And we really need to, to uh, take this very seriously. We're not going to turn there, but in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, talking about Satan especially hates the gospel. Why? Because you can get saved through it. The, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Birth, life, death, resurrection. His blood paying for our sins. He hates that. He hates that. Yes, he does. So daily, what do we need to do? What do we need to do daily? Well, let's look. We're here in Ephesians anyway. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Chapter, or chapter 6 verse 11, excuse me. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers. We read that already, but we're going to read it again. Of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand. Therefore, stand therefore, having your loins girt about you with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness, and the feet shod with Preparation of the gospel of peace and, and all above all taking the shield of faith where 
wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Tells you what that armor is. Every day you need to put on the armor of God so you can stand. And you can withstand what Satan has to throw at you. It is extremely, extremely important. Again, we're not going to turn there, but Ephesians 4.27, it says not even give place for Satan. Don't even give place for Satan. Well, you know, we need to turn there. I know we're running out of time, but Ephesians chapter 4. We're here anyways, I guess. Ephesians 4, 7. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. You know what? That's not the verse I want. 27. Ephesians 4, 27. Excuse me. Neither give place to the devil. We can't give one inch to the devil. My dad always said it was like this. If you own five acres and right in the middle somebody buys a plot. Quarter acre of ground right in the middle of your five acres. By law you have to give them access to that quarter acre plot. So they have a right of way. And when you give Satan a little piece in your life, he has a right of way to come in to that little plot of land. So we need to be very careful. Once we Give that away. It is hard to take back. It's very hard to take back. And so we need to not ever give place to Satan. James chapter 4. So we rush on here. James chapter 4, if you would. James 4 verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to who? God. That's the first part of that verse. Very important. What's it like to be submissive? To submit and do what God tells you to do. Submit yourselves, your life, your time, your talent. Submit yourself to God. Then it says, resist the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. One other thing that we need to understand is because of the power of the one that lives inside of you, he gives you power to resist Satan. So as you do that, that's the Holy Spirit giving you that power. And you put on that armor of God daily and you resist Satan. He said he will run. Why? Because God is there. Resist him and he'll flee from you. How do you defeat him? Put on the armor of God and resist him. If you don't, he'll walk right through. Walk right over that boundary line and into your life. And you don't want that, my friend. The biggest thing we need to understand is, what is Satan's goal? What is his goal? Let's look in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about. Seeking whom he may devour. One thing you and I better remember is that Satan is seeking to destroy you. You don't think so? I know so. You know, some people believe there's a God. They're called agnostics, but we don't know if he's interfering in our life. I'll tell you, he is. He loves you. 
and he is personally vested in your life and he interferes and he interacts in your life if you're saved and if you're not saved he through God's people will tell you how to be saved and will try to to reconnect you with or to connect you rather with him but Satan old Satan he's seeking you to destroy you and where God seeks your best and he is you know trying to help you, save you, whatever your need is. Satan's seeking to destroy you. He is not omnipresent, meaning he is not everywhere, but he has many, many angels and many, many people that serve him. And through them, he's seeking to destroy you. He is, my friend. And you need to remember that. But don't get discouraged. God is there. And God said in his word, in that previous verse, if you resist him through his power and you put on the armor of God, you can defeat Satan. But we under, need to understand him. We need to actively fight against him by doing God's will and God's work and by walking with the Lord every day and understanding since he is seeking to destroy us, we just need to be close to God. And God will take care of that. Well, my friends, I hope that you got something out of this. It's a tough thing. It was something when I started this and it's just the whole program just went wacky. But that happens a lot of times when you're talking about this subject. That's why a lot of people are reticent and speaking about it. And I am a little bit myself. <laughs> but we need to. We need to preach the whole word of God. And this is part of it. So I pray that you will understand your enemy a little better. And with God's help that you will defeat this enemy in your life. Well, my friends, I hope you have a great week. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father, thank you for this day you've given us, Lord. I pray that you will just be with us this week and help us to be a witness for you. And help us to defeat Satan in our lives through you. And the Lord, you will be uh, um, just a protection to us and a help to us in this life and help us to understand Lord our enemies and to understand your grace and your love we love you Lord and we thank you in Jesus name I pray amen well my friends you have a great week and please please witness to some poor lost soul God bless you my friends <laughs>